I'm doing this whole episode off the top of my head. Hello, everybody. So, I must say that I have struggled with the idea of me being a televangelist because I've noticed that within televangelism, You can't effectively use the Bible to condemn Trumpism because if you're a black person, then the white leadership structure of the televangelism world the televangelism donors, the televangelism supporting churches, again controlled by white folks, will threaten to terminate their contract with you threaten to take millions, maybe billions of dollars from you and to keep you in line by potential blackmail and reminding you that they're the ones that made you instead of God. From what I've researched, I'm not saying all white people are doing this. At the same time, I'm, and I'm not saying all black people are doing this too. Not all black people have this Situation. Not all white people have the situation. What I'm saying is, is that a lot of white people control what black people say in terms of pulpit preaching. So if your evangelical economic powerhouse is built off of hell being the centrality of the religious business model. The concern with that is is that a lot of preachers disbelieve in hell, but they will lie by preaching that they believe in hell. And many of preacher protégés and preacher peers will actually say behind the scenes that they privately agree with preachers who publicly disbelieve in hell. But they will publicly chastise those said preachers they privately agreed with, that they talked to, that these preach- the preachers disbelieve in hell are condemned to hell in of themselves. And they are afraid of losing their parsonage. 
they're afraid of losing their preaching invitations. They're afraid of losing their consecration invitations. They're afraid of losing their convocation invitations. They're afraid of not being able to do guest preaching anymore. Um, They are afraid to lose their tithes and offerings. They're afraid to lose their love offerings. They're afraid of losing their business contracts. They are afraid of losing their families, losing their friends, losing their colleagues, losing their talk buddies, losing their hangout buddies, losing their small talk buddies, losing people that they are cordial with. They are afraid of losing their televangelism contracts. They are afraid of losing um, access to the governor's mansion. They're afraid of losing access to the mayor's offices. They're afraid of losing their access to the um, United States House of Representatives. They're afraid of losing their access to the United States Senate. They're afraid of losing their access to the White House. They're afraid of losing their access to Congress. They're afraid of losing their access to royal figures. They're afraid of losing their access to politicians around the world. They're afraid of losing their access to the United Nations. Um, They're afraid of losing their access to Hollywood. They're afraid of losing their access to celebrity culture. They're afraid of losing their access to their Big Willie style. They're afraid of losing their mansions. They're afraid of losing their luxurious vehicles. They're afraid of losing their castles. They're afraid of losing their yachts. They're afraid of losing their wealth. They're afraid of losing their money. They're afraid of losing their bank accounts. They're afraid of losing their insurances. They're afraid of losing Ivy League institution invitations. Um, They are afraid of losing their luxurious clothing. They're afraid of losing their high-priced jewelry. Um, They're afraid of losing their palaces. They're afraid of losing their private jets. Um, They're afraid of no longer being able to afford um, elite private school institutions for their children. Um, They're afraid of death threats. They're afraid of violent threats. They're afraid of being murdered. Um, They're afraid of being beaten. They're afraid of being robbed. They're afraid of being stabbed. They're afraid of being shot. Um, They're afraid of excommunication. They're afraid of being disfellowshipped. Um, They are afraid of hecklers. They're afraid of trolls. They're afraid of stalkers. They're afraid of intruders. Um, privately they believe they're going to hell because of what the church people are saying not because of God convicting them of that 
So a lot of preachers don't preach what they actually believe. And that's actually encouraged in the world of church. Not all churches do that, but a lot of churches, a lot of preachers, that's what they are guilty of. It's like you'll put somebody in ministry, but you know they're a non-believer. You'll affirm them privately, but publicly you'll bless people for being non-believers. It's the same thing with, I'm going to privately affirm you're gay and have you in ministry. I'm privately affirm you that you're trans and have you in ministry, but I'm going to make gay-phobic statements and transphobic statements and try to biblicize them in the pulpits and rile up the congregation as a as traumatic inevitability. Um, for me, I've also noticed in that kind of world that you really can't address racism and sexism in that world because televangelism is rife with racism and sexism. Not all televangelistic ministries are guilty of these things, but plenty of them are. And in that world, you can't address politics without being considered in the Republican camp or Democratic camp. So if you address gun control and make it a Jesus-centered concern, they'll accuse you of being democratic. And if you talk about the importance of lowering government spending, you'll be accused of being Republican. Even though you're not saying which party to belong to. You're just saying, hey, God wants people to spend more money on the oppressed instead of overfunding the military. Then you'll be accused of being a libtard. That's actually what they call people if you say that. But if you talk about not making it political, but these issues, making it about the gospel and say Jesus is not a part of, not a part of any political party, then they'll try to put you and say, oh, you're saying Jesus is Republican. You're saying Jesus is Democrat. That's what that they choose to purposely miscomprehend what you're saying. They want they enjoy misprocessing your statements in the pulpit. And what I learned in in that church world is that they don't do a good job of saying, hey, issues are about the relationship between Christ and human beings. It's not about who gets to have access to those in public office or not. And what I learned in that church world that has really frightened me is that they don't have the discernment between um, political partisanship and making people focused on the issues and not trying to have any political party hijack 
all of the issues that affect people because Jesus cares. But they don't look at it that way, sadly and tragically. And then what I notice about that kind of world, there is a lot of hecklers and trolls of preachers in the church. A lot of the people who come to see preachers preach are hecklers and trolls. They may privately heckle, privately troll. Some may publicly heckle and publicly troll. And some people will publicly heckle and publicly troll because they privately heckle and privately troll. And I notice that in that kind of world that very few people in any congregation, as far as I know, fully support the pastor and the directions of the church that the pastor is taking the church in due to godly convictions. Most people are either there because the church has a brand name or because, well, my family goes here or my friends go here, my colleagues go here or my neighbor goes there. Not because the church is glorifying God, They're going there for materialistic externality, not because of heavenly internality. And then what I've noticed is that um, in that world, they really shy away from the concept of heavenly citizenship. That term you very rarely will ever hear in any church. And then I noticed that they prioritize their earthly citizenship more than heavenly citizenship, even though biblically they're not supposed to do that. And then I notice when you're in that kind of world, most of the people in the church will keep their grievances about the pastor and the church to themselves, but they still come. And some will just fake like they're supportive of the pastor and church, but but privately they're upset with both or one or the other. Very few people in the church are fully with the pastor, fully for the pastor, fully with the church, fully for the church. Most of the people are either, they got some grievances and they do nothing with it, or they got some grievances and do everything with it. Or they got some grievances to do some things with it. Um, A lot of church people don't talk about how the metrics of congregational growth in churches. Um, I've learned that in that world, if you're a pastor, 
then you are made to endure perfectionism by the congregation and other congregations because pastors are made to feel like I don't get drunk and I'm a social drinker but I'm condemned to hell by a lot of church people because I have what they call the appearance of evil according to the New Testament. And that world is incredibly stressful because everything about you, your preaching, your preaching styles, whether you use humor or not, or when you use humor, they'll judge your humor styles, they'll judge your tone of voice, your word choices, your wardrobe, your the, the house that you, your spouse, and your kids live in, the schools they go to, the neighborhoods you live in. What type of bank that you use? Is it Wells Fargo or Bank of America? Um, And let's say you're a Christian preacher who has ties to corporate America. It could be Wall Street, Goldman Sachs. They'll judge you harshly for that too, even though a lot of church people go, ooh, I want to have high favor with corporate America so I can Christianize living large and say, hey, I am living it up for Christ, usually for all the sinful reasons. Sad to say church is in bed with corporate America because of that folly-centered thinking and folly-centered living. And then when I look at how I thought of being a pastor and a preacher because I was encouraged to do that by many people in the church. I recognized that I couldn't do it because traditional ministry pushes so many people away. And I am not called to people who do things the socially acceptable ways. I am called to people who do things in socially unacceptable ways. I can't have that stress of being a pastor where I pass out tracts or I pass out church business cards at my church and a lot of them get thrown in the trash in my face or they'll kindly take it. Then when my back is turned, they throw the Bible tracts and my church business cards in the public sidewalk trash bins and they're going about their business and in this kind of world it would be hard to just talk to people and be okay with some of them not coming to church um because there's this temptation that you only talk to people so they can go to church come back come back come back not hey even if you don't come to church I'll bring church to you without the four walls. Usually that's not how it works in traditional ministry. They'll get tired of always coming to you and then they'll just stop dealing with you. I'll only be nice to you if you agree to be an evangelical Christian and never leave church again. I can't do that. And then what has 
made me concerned as well as skeptical is that I choose not to be a part of a world where you only talk to people for ulterior motives, monetary gain, and personal gain. A lot of that happens plenty in the church world, even though not all churches are guilty of that. They go for business contacts and networking. They don't go for discipleship and fellowship. I have truly lived a life where I've had to think about the direction of it. And say to myself, in terms of the Christian concept of forgiveness, some people who've been abused do forgive and some don't. Because everyone's experience with abuse has diverse sets of multi-layers. Some people are able to live successful lives. They don't allow the abuse to affect them, but they just don't forgive because the complexities are there. Some people feel like they have to forgive for their healing. Like I said, everyone loves differently. Everyone go everyone heals differently. Everyone experiences peace differently. Everyone experiences joy differently. Everyone experiences kindness differently. Everyone experiences goodness differently. Everyone experiences gentleness differently. Everyone experiences faithfulness differently. Everyone experiences patience differently. Everyone experiences self-control differently. And for those who choose to forgive, everyone forgives differently. And for those that don't choose to forgive, everyone... In that in that in that category, that you know doesn't everyone they don't forgive they they refuse to forgive but differently. Um, and that's and everyone's restoration and recoup re, recover recuperation are different because every person is different you know diverse. So for myself. I've learned that the same mercy and grace that we give to those who forgive should be the same mercy and grace that we should extend to those who don't forgive. One is not morally superior than the other. And then um, when I look at what has happened in the world of church, you know, Church is not completely safe because when you say everybody's welcome, everyone's belong, everyone's included, predators and perpetrators feel comfortable roaming on in. So in church, the abused and the abusers are in the same pews, the same pulpits, the same choir laws, and the same church leadership. 
and the same ministries that the church would support. And you have the abused and the abusers, even in the world of televangelism. Then you have selective preaching. They'll preach on what the religious right is comfortable with, but they won't preach on abuse, trauma, victimization, scandals, and a lack of sexual ethics. Because that is how the economic powerhouse becomes... slums they don't go to conferences and seminars and workshops to learn how to lament with the survivors grieve with the survivors speak life into survivors socialize appropriately with survivors and honor the trauma triggers of survivors They don't mind you being a survivor as long as you're the religious right kind who is religious right when it comes to each and every life subject. But if you're a survivor who is unchurched, progressive liberal, and you tend to constructively criticize the church, you're considered an unacceptable survivor. Acceptable survivors are the ones who live and breathe the Republican National Committee. So, as I say in closing, um, I just want to say, need to say, that The church should be a spa massage spiritually speaking. the trampled upon and not instead of trampling upon those who've already been trampled upon as I left off I need to talk about this. Televangelism, likely a back formation from televangelists, itself a portmanteau of of television and evangelists, also sometimes called tele-ministry, is the use of media, specifically radio and television, to preach religion, and most prominently Christianity, Though televangelist traditions exist in other religions, and notably Islam. Um, 
Televangelists are either official or self-proclaimed ministers who devote a large portion of their ministry to television broadcasting. Some televangelists are also regular pastors or ministers in their own places of worship, often a megachurch. But the majority of their followers come from TV and radio audiences. Others do not have a conventional congregation and work primarily through television. The term is also used derisively by critics as an insinuation of aggrandizement by such ministers. Um, I'm going to stop right there and say that not all televangelists are guilty of this, but some televangelists place cash over Jesus. Money in hand over Jesus, ready money over Jesus, liquid assets over Jesus, currency over Jesus, legal tender over Jesus, principle over Jesus, available means over Jesus, working assets over Jesus, funds over Jesus, payment over Jesus, capital over Jesus, finances over Jesus, stock over Jesus, resources over Jesus, wherewithal over Jesus, investments over Jesus, savings over Jesus, riches over Jesus, checking accounts over Jesus, investment portfolios over Jesus, reserve over Jesus, treasure over Jesus, monies over Jesus, security over Jesus, ready cash over Jesus, cold cash over Jesus, hard cash over Jesus, cash in a barrel barrel head over Jesus, money over Jesus, and wealth over Jesus. It goes on to say, televangelism began as a uniquely American phenomenon resulting from a largely deregulated media where access to television networks and cable TV is open to virtually anyone who can afford it, combined with a large Christian population that is able to provide the necessary funding. It became especially popular among evangelical Protestant audiences, whether independent or organized around Christian denominations. However, the increasing globalization of broadcasting has enabled some American televangelists to reach a wider audience through international broadcast networks, including some that are specifically Christian in nature. Some countries have a more regulated media with either general restrictions on access or specific rules regarding religious broadcasting. In such countries, religious pro- religious programming is typically produced by TV companies, sometimes as a regulatory or public service requirement rather than private interest groups. That makes me think that some televangelists, but not all televangelists, are guilty of being careless about Jesus, loose about Jesus, lax about Jesus, remiss about Jesus, unguarded about Jesus, incautious about Jesus, forgetful of Jesus, unthinking about Jesus, unobservant about Jesus, reckless with Jesus, unheeding When it comes to Jesus, indiscreet about Jesus, inadvertent about Jesus, unconcerned about Jesus, wasteful with Jesus, regardless 
about Jesus, imprudent about Jesus, unconsidered about Jesus, hasty about Jesus, inconsiderate of Jesus, heedless about Jesus, mindless about Jesus, untroubled about Jesus, negligent of Jesus, neglectful of Jesus, thoughtless about Jesus, indifferent towards Jesus, casual towards Jesus, oblivious of Jesus, absent-minded about Jesus, listless about Jesus, abstracted about Jesus, nonchalant about Jesus, blasé about Jesus, undiscerning about Jesus, offhand about Jesus, slack, slacking when it comes to Jesus, blundering about Jesus, not thoughtful of Jesus, not attentive of Jesus, not careful of Jesus, very much rash with Jesus. I dare say they have dereliction of duties when it comes to Jesus. They have procrastination about Jesus. They have indolence about Jesus. They have delinquency of Jesus. They have omission of Jesus. They have haphazardness about Jesus. They they have disregard for Jesus. No care about Jesus. No consideration of Jesus. No caution of Jesus. So, the word televangelism, a portmanteau of television and evangelism, was coined in 1958 as the title of the television ministries by the Southern Baptist Convention. Jeffrey K. Hatton and Charles E. Swan have been credited with popularizing the word in the 1981 survey. Primetime preachers, the rising power of televangelism. However, the term televangelist was employed by Time Magazine. Already in 1952, when telegenic Roman Catholic Bishop Fulton Sheen was referred to as the first uh, televangelist. Um, when I think about um, what I just read to you, I'm not hateful of televangelists. I'm not saying that television televangelism has not done any good because it's done a lot of good. It has um, liberated people when it comes to many people when it comes to um, injustices when it came to um, mental illnesses when it came to broken families, dysfunctional homes, addictions. It has given prisoners um, plenty of life to look forward to. And um, it has truly, they felt like they had a family because of televangelism. So that is very true. Um, I do feel like when it comes to televangelism, I don't think I can stand for abuse survivors and be a televangelist. I don't think I can stand 
for people with disabilities and be a televangelist. I don't think I can stand for organized crime survivors and be a televangelist. I don't think I can be of anti-racism and be a televangelist. It says, Christianity has always emphasized preaching the gospel to the whole world, taking as inspiration the Great Commission. Historically, this was achieved by sending missionaries, beginning with the dispersion of the apostles, and later, after the invention of the printing press, including included the distribution of Bibles and religious tracts. Some Christians realized that rapid uptake of radio beginning in the 1920s provided a powerful new tool for this task and they were amongst the first producers of radio programming. Radio broadcasts were seen as a a complementary activity to to traditional missionaries, enabling vast numbers to be reached at relatively low cost, but also enabling Christianity to be preached in countries where this was illegal missionaries were banned. The aim of Christian radio was to both convert people to Christianity and to provide teaching and support to believers. These activities continue today, particularly in the developing world. Shortwave radio stations with a Christian format broadcast worldwide, such as HCJB in Quito, Equator, Family Radios, WYFR, and the Bible Broadcasting Network, BBN, among others. Um, one of the first ministers to use radio extensively was S. Parks Catman, beginning in 1923. In 1923, Calvary Baptist Church in New York City was the first church to operate its own radio station. Tell It From Calvary is a radio show that the church still produces weekly. It's heard on WMCA AM F70. By 1928, Catman had a weekly Sunday afternoon radio broadcast on the NBC radio network. His powerful oratory reached a nationwide audience of 5 million persons. Um, Growing up, I was encouraged to be a televangelist by... um, Many people in the church, because of my my spiritual gifts, um, the biggest ones that the church pointed out to me was that I had the gift, I had the spiritual gifts of pastor, prophet, apostle, evangelist, teacher. And I had an in-depth knowledge of the Bible and the scriptures. And um, I feel like that kind of world influenced me to do it so much that I felt perplexed because I knew that doing televangelism I did not want to be implicated with any kind of scandals 
or I didn't want to be the kind of I self-identified as Christian at the time. I didn't want to be the kind of Christian that non-believers didn't like to talk religion with, didn't like to talk to about anything controversial, any great area subjects or just anything in general. So one reason why I ended up not doing televangelism because I can't, I was, I don't think I could be able to do that world without preaching, um, in ways that would not be warlike towards non-believers and warlike towards unconventional people. Um, Plus, in that televangelism world, there's a lot you can't say due to financial pressures. And I did not want to be in a situation where I would have to defend being on Chris Dowser Networks, knowing that there's a lot of things about that world that are antithetical to Jesus. I chose not, I I just chose to say, you know what, there's a much better way to be kind to non-believers and unconventional people than this. That's what I felt. Then it says, Amy Simple McPherson was another pioneering tent revivalist who soon turned to radio to reach a larger audience. Radio eventually gave her nationwide notoriety in the 1920s and 1930s. She even built one of the earliest Pentecostal megachurches. In the U.S., the Great Depression of 1930s saw a resurgence of revival tent preaching in the Midwest and South, and as itinerant traveling preachers drove from town to town, living off donations, several preachers began radio shows as a result of their popularity. Um, for me, a lot of believers in my past told me that I would be pastoring a mega church and that I would be doing Christian radio. And at the time, I was intrigued, but a part of me felt like that's not what I'm supposed to be doing because I know that there's a lot of pressure when you're talking to non-believers as a believer to hurry up and make them Christian. But I want to be able to love people even if they never accept Jesus Christ, Lord, Savior. I didn't want that to ruin my life and have that hang over my head and my heart. And I'm only talking to you to evangelize, not to really get to know you, not to love you unconditionally. And that it was stressful just to imagine that. So I was like, you know, I said to myself, there's a much better way for me to love non-believers and unconventional people without trying to change them, without trying to make them the textbook definition of how a believer should be. I just wanted them to be true to themselves and I want to be true to myself together, you know, and with them, without us versus them, without seeing them as them. 
And I didn't want to do it also because I've always had religious skepticism in my heart ever since I was five because of all the atrocities I told you about my childhood. And also, more importantly, because that's partly why, mostly it's because by nature, I don't do what's expected socially. I don't do what's accepted socially. It's in my nature to march to the beat of my own drum and not the drum of other people. So that's another set of reasons why I chose not to go down that path. It says, in in the 1930s, a famous radio evangelist of the period was Roman Catholic priest Father Charles Cuglin, who strongly anti-communist, anti-Semitic radio programs reach millions of listeners. I already don't like him. He lo- he lost he lost me with the hatred of Jews. Why would you allow a person who who Christianized, despising culturally Jewish, religiously Jewish persons, poisoning the masses? Of racism against Jewish people. Mm. Obviously, he's not from Jesus. Other early Christian radio programs broadcast nationwide in the U.S. beginning in the 1920s to 1930s include years of radio broadcast shown. Bob Jones, CNN, 1927 to 1962. Ralph W. Sockman, 1928-1962. G. E. Lowman, 1930-1965, Music and a Spoken Word, 1929 through Present Day, The, L- the Lutheran Hour, 1932 Present Day, and Charles E. Fuller, 1937-1968. Time Magazine reported in 1946 that Reverend Ralph Sockman's National Radio Pulpit on NBC received 4,000 letters weekly, and Roman Catholic Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen received between 3,016 and 6,000 letters weekly. The total rate, the total radio audience for radio ministers in the U.S. that year was estimated to be 10 million listeners. An Association of American Evangelical Protestant Religious Broadcasters, National Religious Broadcasters, was founded in 1944 I feel like for me in my upbringing um there were times where I was doing child evangelism, I noticed the Bible tracks and um, doing the missionary Bible stories. Sometimes um, some of them were mean, um, rudely interrupting conversations. 
And when a person did not want to talk about the gospel that moment, hey, we're doing something, we're playing basketball, or we're having a conversation, or we eating, or we um, just drinking our sodas, give us a minute, and they would keep trying to have the conversation right now, eventually those particular child evangelism people were basically kicked off, like told to beat it. Um, basically told to take a hike in the most unfriendliest of language. And that taught me that um, I saw people like that from time to time just being rude and um, being inconsiderate of what other people were doing. If somebody says later, and they give you a specified time, which they did, you have to honor other people's time because that shows that, oh, you're a person who really values God's time because of what you believe as a believer. So as a believer, you should feel like, well, honoring God's time is honoring other people's time. Um, And a lot of times... um, just barging in on people is not the right way to share the gospel because it's like, well, if people really don't want to listen, it's obvious they're not in the mood to listen, they're doing something else, then don't force yourself onto people. That's something I never liked about the world of religion is imposing on people, barging in on people, not, okay, um walking in smoothly on people is more of we're going to try to take over and that, and as I believe you're not supposed to do that um, then it says although television also began in the 1930s it was not used for religious purposes until the early 1950s Jack Wurstson and Percy Crawford switched to TV broadcasting the spring of 1949 another television preacher of note was Fulton J. Sheen who successfully switched to television in 1951 after two decades of popular radio broadcasts and whom time called the first televangelist. Sheen would win numerous Emmy Awards for his program that ran from the early 1950s until the late 1960s. I also feel like that in that world of religion many of the people Are Pharisees, not Christians, Sadducees, not Christians, teachers of the law, not Christians, the Essenes, not Christians, and the Herodians, not Christians.
when I think about life, I feel like They often try to put Jesus in their own image instead of having Jesus in his own image. Those hypocrites are always trying to trap Jesus. They don't give back to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Jesus' image is not inscripted in their hearts. They don't love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, and with all their mind. They don't love their neighbors as themselves. I'm talking about many of the televangelists, not all of them. After years of radio broadcast in 1952, Rex Humbert became the first to have a weekly church service broadcast on television. By 1980, the Rex Humbert program spanned the globe across 695 stations in 91 languages and to date the largest coverage of any evangelistic program. Oral Roberts' broadcast by 1957 reached 80% of the possible television audience through 135 of the possible 500 stations. In Uruguay, Channel 4 airs the Roman Catholic Church Mass since 1961. Um, Christian Broadcasting Network, the first Christian channel, was founded in 1961 by Baptist pastor Pat Robinson. It showed a 700 Club is one of the oldest on the American television scene. It was broadcast in 39 languages, 39 languages in 138 countries in 2016. Um, in 1960s and early 1970s, saw television replace radio as their primary home entertainment medium, but also corresponded with the further rise in evangelical Christianity, particularly through the international television radio ministry of Billy Graham. Many well-known televangelists began during this period, most notably Oral Roberts, Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, Jerry Farwell, and Pat Robertson. Most developed their own media networks, news exposure, and political influence. In the 21st century, some televised church services continue to attract large audiences. In the U.S., there are Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, and T.D. Jakes. In Nigeria, there are Enoch Edoboy and Chris Oyaklahome. Trinity Broadcasting Network is the world's largest religious, religious television network. Um, when I think about a lot of the televangelism practices it makes me think that many televangelists tie up heavy curb and some loads 
and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything that many televangelists do is done for people to see. Many of the televangelists do not practice what they preach, do not do what many televangelists do. Be on your guard when it comes to doing everything they tell you a lot of what they tell you is not definitely not from God. Many televangelists love the place of honor at prestigious events and the most important seats in prestigious houses of worship. They love to be greeted with respect in public and to be called ecclesiastical titles, styles, and honorifics by others. They exalt exalt themselves. That's why they continuously get humbled. They don't allow Jesus to be their instructor, even though they call him the Messiah. A lot of them are false messiahs, false prophets, false teachers, false preachers, and antichrists themselves. They want you to be addicted to their their magic potion false anointed oil. I'm talking about many televangelists, not all of them. They love $100,000 givers. And 
These are the same types of people They'd love to tell you when Jesus comes back, but they keep getting him, getting that date wrong all the time because he keeps not coming back when they want him to. They love people, they love having tax forms in churches and payment forms in churches, like W-2s, and they love to segregate people $100 givers, $200 givers, $300, $400, $500 givers. Anything less than $100, they don't want to deal with you. And I notice in that kind of world that they really don't care for people that don't want to give them ATM money in churches. Um, like if you don't swipe your card and pay them they're offended by that they'll do special favors for those who give them large sums of cash every time but if you don't they act like you don't exist and they still they'll say your blessings, miracles, signs, wonders, and breakthroughs will come because of the seed offerings of large sums of cash that you give them. It's a form of psycho- trying to psychologically manipulate God and trying to emotionally manipulate God by saying by connecting materialism to to um, fruits of the spirit all the time, which doesn't always happen. A lot of them act like snakes oil salesmen. Here we go. Controversies and criticism. Televangelists frequently draw criticism from other Christian ministers. For example, uh, preacher, pastor John MacArthur published a number of articles in December 2009 that were highly critical of some televangelists. He said... Someone needs to say this plainly. The faith healers and health and wealth preachers who dominate religious television are shameless frauds. Their message is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing spiritual or miraculous about their onstage chicanery. It is all a devious ruse designed to take advantage of desperate people. They are not godly ministers, but greedy impostors who corrupt the word of God for money's sake. They are not real pastors who shepherd the flock of God, but hirelings whose only design is to fleece the sheep. Their love of money is glaringly obvious in what they say as well as how they live. They claim to possess great spiritual power, but in reality, but in reality they are rank materialists and enemies of everything holy. Wow. I recognize that many people may say the same things about him because he and his church allegedly covered up years of sexual abuse and physical abuse. And I'm not saying all televangelism is bad because, again, there are many people who use televangelism for the purposes of 
empathy and compassion. But in the world of televangelism, there are people who pretend to be disciples of Jesus, but in reality, they are disciples of vanity, also known as vain glory. And some of those who claimed to be faith healers ended up not being able to heal their flock of any diseases. Some feigned it, but in reality, they weren't healed at all. They feigned being healed because they felt like, well, I've been trained to believe that God would want me to go along, but in reality, God didn't want that person to go along with any of that at all. Um... That's why the world televangelism is very concerning to me because I don't see Jesus endorsing celebrity culture for Christians in the pews, Christians in the pulpits, Christians in the choir lofts, and Christians in church leadership. Um... Let me keep going. Similarly, Oil Anthony wrote very critically of televangelists in 1994. A proportion of their methods and theology are held by some to be conflicting with Christian doctrine taught in long-existing traditionalist traditionalist congregations. Many televangelists are featured by discernment ministries run by other Christians that are concerned about what they perceive as departures from sound Christian doctrine. Many televangelists exist outside the structures of Christian denominations, meaning that they are not accountable to anyone. Mm. Jesus was very big on accountability, so that's sinful in and of itself to reject godly accountability. Um, You can use wealth the way... According to the Bible, God intended it. So wealth is not bad. The misuse of it is. If you're a Christian and you get wealth, make sure you did it the right way, not the wrong way. And make sure you use your wealth to help people like me out. You know, the dispossessed, the oppressed. And be financially honest. If you have a church... Put in your bulletins what you spend what on and what you save what on and say, and as long as it's not uh, dishonoring confidentiality privacy, you say, hey, be honest about your spending and saving habits when it comes to entities and individuals that care about people and for people with on your bulletins. Be tra- find economically transparent. 
It says the financial practice of many televangelists are unclear. A 2003 survey by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch indicated that only one out of the 17 televangelists research were members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Again, that would cause Jesus... Righteous indignation. That would cause Jesus to... Give them a stern talking to. That would cause Jesus to flip over tables. Scatter. The money, the money changers. Make a whip of course, chase them out. And that would cause Jesus to run people out of churches. I'm talking about the ones who behave devilishly. Jesus could did not stand for pride and arrogance. So they value the works of the flesh over the fruits of the spirit. Then it says the prosperity gospel, which I despise, by the way, taught by many televangelists promises material, financial, physical, and spiritual success to believers, which can run counter to several aspects of Christian teaching that warn of suffering for following Christ and recommend surrendering one's material possessions to see Jesus and the rich young man. So you can be a Christian and have your basic human needs met and have your loved ones' basic human needs met, your inner circles, basic human needs met, and you can help meet the basic human needs of the oppressed. But Jesus didn't own his own home. Jesus didn't have a car. Jesus wasn't rich. Jesus lived in other people's homes, strangers, for three years. Jesus didn't have a regular job for three years, so technically he was unemployed for three years. He walked around in sandals. His tunic was not of a wealthy kind. He did not always make regular money. He slept by the Mount of Olives. He was a homeless brother. Jesus was never a member of the 1%. He had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was not a televangelist back then. Jesus had to rely on strangers for food, lodging, shelter, water, and clothing. Jesus had to live by the household rules of others, not even his own. Jesus had to leave and come back at certain hours that are acceptable to people at the home. He could just get up and leave and come back on in whenever he wanted to. Jesus was never a playwright. Jesus was never an author. Jesus was never a publisher of books. 
Jesus was not Mr. VIP. Jesus was not star-studded. And Jesus was not considered an A-lister back then. Then it says, some televangelists have have significant personal wealth and own large properties, luxury cars, and various transportation vehicles such as private aircraft or ministry aircraft, you know, like private jets. This is seen by critics to be contradictory to traditional Christian thinking. Um... I feel like that often concept of Jesus being poor bothers them. It's okay to take care of your family, your friends. It's okay to make money. Just don't have a covetous spirit about it. It made me think about how that world suffers from lust of the eyes lust of the flesh and the pride of life they use those scriptural concepts on other people but they hate it when those concepts correctly apply to them it says televangelism requires substantial amounts of money to produce programs and purchase airtime on cable and satellite networks Televangelists devote time to fundraising activities. Products such as books, CDs, DVDs, and trinkets are promoted to viewers. I noticed that for some of them, if you're extremely popular like a veteran, their time, their, some televangel- televangelists have contracts where the religious television networks pay you for airtime. They pay you to stay on their cable and satellite network. They pay you instead of you having a fundraise. And they 
pay to have your books, CDs, DVDs, and trinkets and um, religious products to be promoted to viewers. They pay you to get paid even more through the viewers. So, the contract means that if you're that successful and you're a veteran, the religious television networks, they basically pay you. And you no longer have to pay for anything because, like, well, you're doing so well with us. We'll make sure we regularly just pay you. Whatever their pay cycles are. Some television evangelism entities have struggled to give people's book CDs, DVDs, trinkets, and religious products on time. So they'll be at the airport asking the televangelist, hey, I didn't get this on time. I didn't get that on time. Why, why, why? I didn't get my my lotion. I didn't get my potion on time. Why, why, why? And they'll make it seem like the only way you can get anything from God in terms of blessings if you buy my stuff. But if you don't buy my stuff, God will curse you. You have those unholy shenanigans going on. And it says, televangelists claim to be reaching millions of people worldwide with the gospel and producing numerous converts to Christianity. However, such claims are difficult to verify independently and are often disputed. Wow. I understand that Jesus hates hypocrisy, Jesus hates lying, Jesus hates cheating. Jesus hates deception. Jesus hates inflating numbers, inflating assets. Um, Jesus hates propaganda. Then it says several televangelists are very active in the national international political arena. Example, Pat Robinson, who he, he used to be, but he's no longer with us. Jerry Farwell, he used to be, but he's no longer with us. Jimmy Swaggart and John Hagee and often espouse conservative politics on their programs. Such televangelists may occasionally arouse controversy by making remarks deemed offensive on their programs or elsewhere or by, endorse, by, or by endorsing partisan political candidates on donor-paid airtime, which runs afoul of the Johnson Amendment's ban on tax-exempt organizations supporting or opposing candidates for political office. The IRS is lousy at upholding the Johnson Amendment ban. Um, They know it's happening, but they don't care, which means that I think they should be civilly charged and even criminally charged because if you know that you have that as a part of the rules, but you're not honoring your own rules or forcing your own rules, you need to be punished for that because that's unacceptable. 
plus that causes hatred of progressives and liberals and they try to say well it's in the name of jesus so you're blaming jesus for your bigotry against leftists. Mm, mm, mm. It says, in 2007, the Senate probe, Senator Chuck Grassley opened a probe into the finance of six top evangelists who preached a prosperity gospel. The probe investigated reports of lavish lifestyles by televangelists, including fleets of royals, royces, palatial mansions, private jets, and other expensive items particularly paid for by television viewers who donate due to the ministry's encouragement of offerings. The six that investigated are Kenneth and Gloria Copeland of Kenneth Copeland Ministries in Newark, Texas, Creflo Dollar Taffy Dollar of World Changers Church International, Creflo Dollar Ministries of College Park, Georgia, Benny Hinn of World Healing Center Church, Inc., Incorporated, and Benny Hinn Ministries of Grapevine, Texas. Eddie L. Long of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church and Bishop Eddie Long Ministries of Lithuania, Georgia. DocuSir Sex Scandals and Religion did a 2011 investigative episode on his alleged sexual misconduct. Joyce Meyer and David Meyer of Joyce Meyer Ministries of Fenton, Missouri. And Randy White and ex-wife Paula White of the Without Walls International Church and Paula White Ministries of Tampa. On January 6, 2011, Grassley releases review of the six ministries' response to his inquiry. He called for further congressional review of tax exemption laws for religious groups. Um, honestly, I've always felt like churches should be taxed to be fair to non-religious groups and non-religious individuals and non-Christian groups, non-Christian individuals who are of faith, just, they're just not Christians. And I always felt like then God we trust should be removed from vehicles and currency to be fair to non-religious people and people who are faith-based, they're just not Christians. I believe in equity and equality when it comes to Christians and non-Christians. Um, and I think they should be doing those reviews constantly um, and those probes because it helps people to better understand that Jesus lived a simple life. He was a simple living person, in other words. Jesus was a minimalist. He was not a person who lived a life of access. Um, he did not live a life of danger and plenty either. It says... In Islam, the related concept of Dawah, which encourages Muslims to go and spread the religion of non-Muslims, similar to the evangelical tradition of evangelizing, has also given rise to figures who are often described as Islamic televangelists who preach using television, internet videos like their evangelical counterparts. Examples include Moaz Masawad, Zakir Naik, and Amir Khalid, amongst others. These figures may build on the long-standing Dawah tradition, but also draw inspiration with Christian televangelists. 
Similarly, the Christian televangelist critics have argued that some Islamic televangelists may be too political, especially those pandering to fundamental Islamism, including the far right. Critics also claim that, that many will make significant, mon- significant amounts of money from their work and therefore may not be motivated by spiritual charitable causes. Examples of well-known Islamic television TV channels include Muslim television Ahmadiyya, Islam channel ARYQTV, and Peace TV. Some of these channels, but not all, have come under scrutiny from national television or communications regulators such as Ofcom in the UK and the CRTC in Canada, with Ofcom having censored both Islam channel and Peace TV in the past for biased coverage of political events, incitement to illegal acts including marital rape and homophobia, Islamic televangelist channel Peace TV is banned in India, Bangladesh, Canada, Sri Lanka, and the United Kingdom. Oh, wow. I mean, me learning that, it really um, reinforced to me, and, and I hate Islamophobia. I hate persecution of Christians. I hate persecution of secular people. I hate persecution of religious people who are not Christians. I just want to say that on record. And I'm not again I'm not hateful of rich people. I'm not hateful of those who live the big Willie style. I don't diss people who live that way. I just know for me that it's much easier for me to connect to um, the oppressed by living a simple, living, minimalist life. It makes it easier for them to enjoy my character instead of harping over material things. It's much easier for them to relate to me because like, oh, wow, you don't have all those material stuff, I feel like you're better at being compassionate and empathic and empathetic towards me. And you're better at being neighborly towards me because you don't have all those potential trappings that make it hard for you to be connected to me. It makes it easier for me to know in my heart that you will never be disconnected from me, my joy, and my pain. Um, so I would never live a big Willie style life. Um, some people go, is that partly because of how you grew up as a child with the organized crime world? Partly, it's mostly because of who I am naturally. And that's also partly the reason that uh, being in that world made me even more disgusted by access For the sake of access, E-X-C-E-S-S, and access, A-C-C-E-S-S, for access, A-C-C-E-S-S, I hate both. Um, I just can't even see myself playing the lottery because of poverty that exists in this world so evilly. The Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN Legally, Trinity Broadcasting of Texas Incorporated. 
Um, is an international Christian-based broadcast television network and the world's largest religious television network. TBN was headquartered in Costa Mesa, California until March 3, 2017 when it sold its highly visible office park, Trinity Christian, Univer- Trinity Christian City. The broadcaster retained its studios in nearby Tustin. Auxiliary studio facilities are located in Irving, Hendersonville, Gadsden, Decatur, Miami, and Orlando, Tulsa, New York City. TBN has characterized itself as broadcasting programs hosted by a diverse group of ministries from evangelical, traditional, Protestant, Catholic denominations, nonprofit charities, Messianic, Jewish, and Christian media personalities. TBN also offers a wide range of original programming, faith-based films, and political opinion commentary from various distributors. Um, TBN owns and operates six broadcast networks, each reaching separate demographics. In addition to the main TBN network, TBN owns TBN Inspire, Smile, TBN in Lance, How, TBN distributes in Lance, United States, TBN Salsa and Positives without an E. It also owns several other religious networks outside the United States, including international versions of its five U.S. networks. Matt Crouch is currently TBN's president and head of operations. Um, there was one particular experience I had with TBN that made me question the Christian legitimacy of the entity. I was watching, um, I shared the story before, but let me give you more details. So I was watching Pastor Tony Evans, Pastor Robert Morris, Kirk Franklin, the gospel musician, and Matt Crouch. And they were all on stage talking. I think Priscilla Shirer, Tony Evans' daughter, was in the audience. And they were talking about why Kirk was frustrated with TBN and the Dove Awards. He spoke out against police brutality and unlawful killings of African Americans, but he also made it clear that, hey, we as black people shouldn't be doing to them what has historically been done to us by so many white people, not all white people. And what he said was edited out twice. And, um,. So he went public about that October 2019. He said he got Pastor Tony Evans' blessing with his pastor to not do anything with, to, to have no involvement with those networks until there is basically um, tangible policies that are. kind to black folks like hey until they show that they're sensitive to us I'm not dealing with them and that was October 2019 and it took until March 2020 I remember watching it with my parent, biological parents in my living room and I was offended that it took so long to have conversations with Kirk um I felt like it could have been sooner. I felt like the best time was to talk to him as soon as possible. I did not like the hug between Kirk Franklin and Matt Crouch because I felt like, you know, Kirk was like, hey, you know, 
this is not kumbaya we sorted things out way before this and Matt Crouch was taken aback he did he felt like he didn't know or understand Kirk's view at the time because apparently he was so busy that there was no sense of urgency at the time which I think is off-putting because when you have a Christian black person who does not feel loved by so many Christian white people um you need to have urgency on that even if the she was on the other foot and a lot of white Christian white people didn't feel loved by Christian black people, I would still be saying the same thing. There should be an urgency of, hey, I need to rearrange our entire schedule just so I can give Kirk a sense of belonging without kissing up to him, without sucking up to him, without kissing up to black folks, without sucking up to black folks. And so they were just basically sharing, um, Kirk and Tony Evans were sharing stories of racism, how Kirk experienced racism in the gospel music industry you know, white Christian radio stations omitting and editing out some of his verses because Kirk is a contemporary gospel musician, so his music is more appealing to younger audiences who are of the faith, even though he has plenty of music that appeals to older audiences of the same faith, his music is more geared towards young folks. And and um, he, Tony Evans talked about how when he was in the church world of, you know, becoming a seminarian, really starting to understand his godly calling to, you know, be a pastor and to be a preacher for God, how he was made to feel unwelcome by white, some, you know, white church circles, um, not being omitted, not being in, not being invited in, being told he can't be there. And when he was in Christian white radio, the only person intervened was James Dobson, who was focused on the family. And, you know, there's a history of white seminary schools turning down black applicants. So Tony Evans was talking about that history and how it personally affected him. Eventually, he was still able to go to seminary and become the Tony Evans that he is. And I just felt like I checked if Kirk was still going to be on TBN. So for a couple of years, I checked. This was during COVID. From 2020 to 2022, periodically, I would go on TBN's website. For a while, they had Kirk Franklin as as one guest appearance. And when they revamped the website, last time I checked, it was a year ago. And I saw that Kirk Franklin's name was no longer a part of those who have appeared on the show. And that broke my heart because I wish that Mac and Lori Crouch, Lori Crouch is his wife. I really wish that they took the time to understand that Kirk Franklin was not telling people to be Republican. He was not telling people to be Democratic. He talked about the history of... of white slaveholders who claim Christ and justify black enslavement as a way of, well, it's biblical for us to do this. 
and he was talking about partly how Frederick Douglass was still a Christian himself who railed against that in his books and speeches, which are evidently true. And then he talked about how Donald Trump, he didn't say his name, but he said how his tweets and how he carries himself is out of line with the gospel. And I feel like partly because he was never back on TBN because I'm pretty sure that there were Trump supporters who did not like what he said. I'm pretty sure that um, white business leaders, I'm not saying all white people when I talk about Trump supporters, I'm not saying all white people when I talk about business folks. I'm talking about there were some of them who were powerful enough, in my view, to make it clear that we, we can't have Kirk on our show because he's saying things that may be alienating our donors. So I think that's what happened because that's the only reason why Kirk wouldn't be back on the show. Plus, I feel like TBN didn't try hard enough to make the proper amends. He's also telling them, and I caught what he said, he's basically saying, don't make the gospel nor Jesus political. Don't have, you know... Don't make it liberal politics or conservative politics. Just focus on the gospel. Approach any issue from the gospel. Don't approach any issue through any political party lens. So he was saying it without saying it when he talked about Donald Trump without saying his name. And I feel like that made me really not want to watch TBN anymore. I don't watch TBN anymore. Um because of that and because of things I've, I'm I'm about to read to you I've read it before I'm reading it to you I read it to myself it just made me go I understand that some people feel like TBN is therapeutic to them and I respect those people I'll never tell them not to watch TBN I'll just say that I'm never watching TBN again and TBN is not therapeutic to me Let's keep going. The Trinity Broadcasting Network was co-founded as a Trinity Broadcasting Systems in 1973 by Paul Crouch and Assemblies of God Minister and his spouse, Jan Crouch. TBN began its broadcasting activities by renting time on independent station KBSA Now. Unimaz owned and operated station KFTRDT in Ontario, California. After that station was sold, he began buying two hours a day of programming time on KLXA-TV in Fontana, California in early 1974. That station was put up for sale shortly afterward. Paul crouched in place to bid to buy the station for $1 million and raise $100,000 for a down payment. After many struggles, the crouchers managed to raise the down payment, took over the station outright, with the station becoming KTBN-TV 1977 and its city of license being reassigned to TBN's original home base, Santa Ana, in 1983. Initially, the station ran Christian programs for about six hours a day, expanding its programming to 12 hours a day by 1975 and began selling time to other Christian organizations to supplement its local programming. The station eventually instituted a 24-hour schedule in 1978. The fledging network was so weak in its first days that, according to Crouch and his autobiography, Hello World, it almost went bankrupt after just two days on the air. 
TPN began national distribution through cable television providers in 1978. The ministry, which became known as the Trinity Broadcasting Network, gained national distribution via communication satellite in 1982. The network was a member of the National Religious Broadcasters Association until 1990. I don't know why they left. Maybe they got too big for the NRB. Maybe there was some business conflict. I don't know. It didn't say. Um, in 1977... The ministry purchased KPA-ZTV in Phoenix, Arizona, becoming its second television station property. During the 1980s and 1990s, TBN purchased additional independent television stations and signed on new stations around the United States. The purchase of the existing stations was done in order to gain cable carriage due to the Federal, Communication, Federal Communications Commission FCC's must-carry rules. TBN's availability eventually expanded to 95% of American households by early 2005. Um, TBN has 30 Christian channels around the world. Um, I'll actually share my thoughts now. I know you want to hear what I got to say. Well, as a child, I grew up watching uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network. Um, I would watch it all the time. Um, I would watch... TPN was my favorite network as a child. I remember watching that, Mysteries of the Bible. And um, those are my two favorite shows to watch. I would watch them before church. And I watched them even more after church services were over. And I used to daydream about being a televangelist because I just love the concept of pastoring and being a prophet and being... Um, a you know I just love having spiritual gifts such as being a teacher being a an apostle and um, being an evangelist and having the gift of helps administration and I mean I um, love the idea of performing exorcisms and speaking in tongues and plus I, always, I, I had an urge to preach the gospel to billions of people at the time I just Love the concept of being a Christian. I wanted to do televangelism for all the right reasons. It wasn't about money. It was about everybody living for Christ. That, as a child, that's how I honestly felt. And um, I had that desire until um, early 2010s when I started noticing that TBN was slowly becoming more openly into... Uh, conservatism in terms of the political arena and that's what made me step away I said to myself I can't be a part of this world if you're going to make Jesus all about political ideologies and if you're saying that Jesus is cool with Fox News which I don't call them news I just call them Fox and cool with the Republican National Committee nah this is not going to work so that desire died and I was like well at the time I felt like well maybe there's a much better way for me to spread the gospel to billions of people 
without feeling pigeonholed by political national committees. Let's keep going. It says TBN owns 35 full-power television stations serving larger metropolitan areas in the United States at its peak. The network also owns 252 low-power television stations, which are mixed among stations serving medium-sized cities and rural translator stations in order to maximize the network's reach as much as is permissible. TBN also has several hundred affiliate stations throughout the United States. Although just 61 of these are full-power UHF or VHF stations, the rest are low-powered stations requiring a viewer to be within several miles of the transmitter to receive the signal. According to TV News Check, TBN was the third largest over-the-air television station group in the country as of 2010, besting the station groups of CBS, Fox, and NBC, but behind Ion Media Networks and Univision Communications. It says, um, it says that, um, many of TPN stations are owned by the ministry outright, while others are owned through the subsidiary community educational television order to own stations that TPN cannot acquire directly due to FCC ownership limits, which restricts companies from owning stations with a combined market reach of 39% of the United States or are allocated for educational use and require additional programming to comply with that license purpose. TBN's program is available by default via national fee distributed to cable and satellite providers and markets without a local TBN station. This contrasts with the major commercial networks which under FCC regulations allow providers to import an owned and operated or affiliate station from a nearby market if no local over-the-air affiliate um, exists. This I feel that um, also nothing else about TBN as I got older that um. I felt that as I got older, I started thinking more about how can I be a televangelist that abuse survivors love, people with disabilities love, black folks love, Hispanic folks love, Asian people love, Middle Eastern people love, indigenous people, Native Americans love. I wanted to be the kind of televangelist that non-believers and unbelievers spoke highly of and I wanted to be the kind of um, televangelist that you did not apply materialistic criticism towards because I didn't want to have the living large lifestyle that many televangelists live I just wanted to be for Christ um, but I felt, I, I started feeling like it's impossible for me to do that when it comes to televangelistic politics. The politics in the office politics are dirty there. The dirty politics are unfriendly to Jesus. Then it says, worldwide TBN channels are broadcast on 70 satellites and over 18,000 television cable affiliates. The TBN networks also stream live on the internet globally. The network also provides select archive shows on demand through the website and select IPTV services. 
During 2010, sudden economic problems and lack of donations, TPN closed down and sold many of its low-powered uh, television repeaters. Of those 17, were sold to another Christian television network, Daystar. On April 13, 2012, TPN sold 36 of its translators to Regal Media, a broadcasting group headed by George Clooney, the CEO of EUE slash Screen Gems. Um... Another 151 translators were donated to the Minority Media and Television Council, MMTC, an organization designed to preserve equal opportunity and civil rights in the media. MMTC will later sell 78 of these translators to Lucan Communications, parent company of the Retro Television Network. Four more translators in Dothan, Alabama, Kirksville, Missouri, Johnsboro, Arkansas, and Jackson, Tennessee were sold by MMTC to New Moon Communications with the intent to convert them into NBC affiliates. However, in September 2012, New Moon put all four of these translators for sale. Only Gray Television would purchase a transmitter in Dothan, which was converted into NBC affiliate WRGXLD, the license in Ottumwa, KUMKLP, and Jackson YZMCLP will later be canceled. The NBC affiliate in Jackson, WNBJLD, operates under a different license. Operates using a different license. Its Johnsboro transmitter KJNELP remains silent but with an active license. However, that markets ABC affiliate KAIT ended up obtaining NBC affiliation instead via subchannel. KJNELP ended up becoming a translator station of Fox affiliate KJNPLD. Another 44 of the licenses that were donated by TBN to the MMTC would be canceled on December 1st, 2011, due to remaining silent for over a year. On October 2000, uh, on October 22nd, 2012, TV acquired WRBJ-TV in Jackson, Mississippi from Roberts Broadcasting. Following FCC and bankruptcy court approval on January 17, 2013, TV officially took over operational control of WRBJ on May 24, 2013, dropping all secular and CW network programming, converting it into a full-time satellite of TBN. The network was previously available in the Jackson area on WJKOLP, which was later sold to Daystar. On July 18, 2013, TB announced an affiliation with the Leth- Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada religious station Miracle Channel. As part of the agreement, Miracle Channel added some of TBN's flagship programs, including Praise the Lord and Behind the Scenes, which, while TBN picked up programs from the Miracle Channel, including services from the Springs Church, of which Miracle Channel CEO. Leon Fontaine is a pastor in the Leon Show on the Church Channel. Plans were also announced for Fontaine to become a regular host on Praise the Lord and four episodes per year to originate from Canada for Miracle Channel TBN co-produce a new weekly program. And um, so I'm basically learning how um, a lot of Christian business is done um, I learned that sometimes there's ebbs and flows financially like all businesses and when they're able to take control they feel like since we are a Christian network we have to only show Christian programming so it made me think about how in the world of business that um, plenty of the people 
um, if your money is um, being plummeting, so to speak, then somehow you could even take a Christian network to some degree and drop all the Christian program, but secular networks on it. So I'm like, wow, they sometimes sell to secular entities. That's new to me. Um, And that sometimes secular entities sell to them. It's like, so secular businesses and Christian businesses do sell to each other when they're like, look, we are in no position to turn down money because economically we are struggling. So we'll take what you got and we'll just take your money and try to build ourselves to be a bigger Christian network. And the second entities go, we're going to take your money and make ourselves to be a bigger secular network. So it was amazing how you can buy up stuff, but you can't buy up too much stuff because the FCC is like, hey, you can't own everything. You can't be the only owner in the world. So that's new to me. I love educating myself. And what I also learned is in that kind of world that they rely a lot on donations more than I knew. It's like, wow, because I'm thinking y'all the number one network for like years. But sometimes the recession of the secular world causes recessions in the Christian world. Wow. So the impact is more heartfelt than I understood. Wow, okay. Then it says digital television. The signals of TV and television stations are multiplexed into digital subchannels, which carry additional networks operated by the organization. These subchannels typically include TV and Inspire, DT2, a channel that carries church services and worship music programming. The network has an output deal with Australia's, Australia's Hillsong Church. Smile DT3, a channel which carries children's Christian upbringing. TBN and Lance USA DT4, a localized feed of the Costa Rica-based Spanish-language Christian broadcaster in Lance. Positive without E, DT5, a channel which carries Christian films. Um, it makes me think of something, honestly. Um, I never felt that I fit in totally in the Christian world because I always thought differently than everybody else. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, I constantly felt a sense of seeing Christian films and usually not liking them. I never fully liked them because I always felt like with God's Not Dead, that atheists were grossly misrepresented as these heartless persecutors of faith communities um, who use science to bully believers. I was like, most atheists don't do that. And then when I would see Christian films where the person engaging in prostitution, they would never show the prostitution, but the way they dress, it was like, okay, she's living a life of prostitution. They make seem like these 
street prostitution type of women are these helpless, hopeless damsels in distress who are garbage, rot, nasty, and dirty until they become Christian. I felt like most sex workers are kind-hearted, brilliant, have a lot of wisdom, and they're harmless. They are the type that have a heart for those who are the needy. I know, because in my childhood, most of the sex workers I knew and knew of were gentle-souled people. They were generous-hearted people. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Even sex workers that I fraternized with were generous-hearted, gentle-souled people, the ones in my undergraduate years. So that always offended me. And to portray people who are Muslim or to portray people as Muslim, but you would see some of the stereotypes of Muslim people in the films and to portray liberals and progressives as villains against Jesus. I'm like, no, most liberals and progressives are humanitarian-minded people. So I never liked Christians. I always felt like they lied about people who aren't practicing conservative theology, who don't live it out, who don't speak it, who don't teach it, who don't do it. Anybody, not them, they got a kick out of misrepresenting them. So that's why I don't watch Christian movies anymore. I don't watch Christian plays anymore. I remember um, I used to go to the Museum of the Bible. I don't anymore because I started noticing that there's a lot of catering um, to people who are religious right-minded based upon the preaching and how if you're conservative, you're automatically a Christian, but if you're not conservative, you can't be liberal Christian, can't be progressive Christian, that kind of thing. And a lot of the preaching... You know, it's the, it's the, you know, at some point they got to preach against gay people in their minds. We got to preach against trans abortion in their minds. If you do that, oh, yeah, you really are the faith. The more conservative you are, the more Christian. So I don't do the museum in the Bible anymore. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do the, cre- the Creation Museum or the Holland Experience in Florida. Because a lot of what they show, it's all about how traditional can I be? I need to be the most traditional-minded person ever. And they have these traditionalism contests with each other in church and who can be the most right-wing? Who can be the most old-school? Who could be the most old-fashioned? And I'm just like, I cannot relate to this world at all. And 
That's why I'm going to say this in advance. I don't watch the Daystar Television Network anymore. I don't watch the Word Network anymore. I don't watch religious television networks anymore. I don't watch Christian television networks anymore. I used to have the TBN app on my phone. I don't anymore. Um, because I started seeing that Christian was code for anybody that had conservative biblical interpretations. So if you're a Democrat and a Christian, they see you as an outlier, like a pariah. They see you as straddling the fence between the world and the church. Oh, you're tap dancing in the church world and the secular world. And I can't with any of those worlds. I don't even go to um, Sight and Sound Theater anymore because I noticed that the plays themselves, even though they're masterfully done, I ain't going to lie, state-of-the-art 3D type of equipment and you got the horses, a part of me always felt like that the plays resembled who can be the most ultra kingdom disciple in terms of the way they present the play is considered an insult if you question the logistics of the biblical supernatural stories so you're made to feel like you are an outcast if you see the play you may have enjoyed a lot of the messaging but when it comes to supernatural details, the skepticism may keep getting like, wait a minute, how can this be? I've read this in science. I've read this mathematically. I'm having a hard time connecting scientific math and mathematics with the supernatural details. You're not trying to be mean. You're not trying to be difficult for being difficult. You're, 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 you know, hey, I'm choosing truth over comfort. I'm not saying that the people who believe that are bad people. Um, but I really want to know. Um, even though that never happened to me, per se, it's the vibe that you get that if you were to openly do that or privately do that, you would get, they would Christianize castigating you. Um, I don't, I've never heard of it happening, but when you're there, you can just feel it. Um, because a lot of the, um, thespians, T-H-E-S-P-I-A-N-C, meaning actors and actresses, they're actually devout Christians themselves. And the entire cast are usually devout Christians themselves. So go figure, because I remember they asked people at the end, do they want to give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what they say. Um, then it says, TBN produces a variety of or original Christian programs such as gospel music concerts, live coverage of major Christian events, talk shows, health slash fitness slash nutrition programs with Christian family doctors, children's programs, Contemporary Christian music videos, marriage enrichment series, holiday specials, Christian dramas, and full-length family-oriented movies, 
In addition, the network airs local religious programming on each of their feeds. The network's um, flagship program, Praise, is hosted by various regular guest hosts, including TBN President Match Crouch and his wife, Lori Crouch. It features interviews with celebrities, ministers, and lay people discussing faith-based topics and their personal relationship with God, as well as musical performances from gospel and contemporary Christian artists. The program originated as Praise the Lord was regularly hosted by TBN founders Paul and Jan Crouch. Um, Paul is Matt Crouch's father. Jan Crouch is Laurie Crouch's mother-in-law. And Paul and Jan Crouch are no longer with us. But Matt and Laurie Crouch are still with us. And, okay, the program originated as Praise the Lord was regularly hosted by TBN founders Paul and Jan Crouch was originally two or three hours long. Until 2017, allegedly local versions of Praise the Lord were produced by TBN owned and operated stations and affiliates in order to fulfill public affairs content guidelines. Um, so then it says um, children's programming. TBN runs Veggie Tales under the Smile banner Saturdays 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time to fulfill E slash I program requirements as per the. FCC's Children's Television Act. Programs previously featured as part of the lineup, which also broadcast on TBN's Smile Network range from contemporary programs such as 321 Penguins, classic series such as Davy and Goliath, and TBN originals such as I Shine, Connect, and Mary Rice Hopkins and Puppets with a Heart. So the regularly scheduled shows source classic Billy Graham Crusades, Changing Life with Gregory Dickow, Changing Your World with Creflo A. Dollar, Destined to Reign with Joseph Prince, End of the Age with Irvin Baxter Jr., um, Equipping and Power with Christine Kane, Enjoying Everyday Life with Joyce Meyer, Gospel Truth with Andrew Walmack, Grace with Max Licato, Harvest with Greg Laurie, um, Hour of Praise in Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Dr. Stanley is no longer with us. Uh, Joel, Joel Osteen Ministries, John Hackey Today, Kingdom Connection with Jessica Franklin, uh, Leading the Way with Michael Yusuf, Live Today with James Robson, they, at Living Proof with Beth Moore, um, Manifest with Perry Stone, The Potter's Touch with Bishop T.D. Jakes, PowerPoint with Jake Graham, PowerPoint with Jack Graham, Praise Flagship Program, Various Hosts, 700 Club, hosted by Gordon P. Robinson. Touching Lives with Dr. James Merritt. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. Winning, winning Walk with Ed Young. Senior Personalities Features on TBN. Uh, Stephen Furtick, uh, who's a pastor. Mike Huckabee, who is a, um, a political commentator and shows on TBN. Um... And you're probably wondering why am I going through this lengthy list. Well, I want to show the good and the bad of this world. I didn't want to make it seem like it's all bad. It's like, no, they do a lot of good. It's just, um, I want to tell the full story to be fair to them. I try my best to do it in every episode. I'm getting more mature with it. You know, I'll never say I'm perfect at it, but I try my best to be as fair as possible. I'm getting all these doubts out. That's the goal.
so and then it says um I'll stop right there and um, make another episode for tomorrow so it won't be too long. On second thought, I scratch my plans. I have enough energy. Let's keep doing it. So, since 2009, movies here, TBN has broadcast feature-length religious and and slasher-inspirational-themed films. These films air primarily on weekend evenings with films based on biblical stories most commonly airing on Sundays, with more contemporary films which often incorporate moral lessons. Faith-based lessons or a combination thereof are commonly targeted youth audiences. Airing on Saturday nights as part of the network's quote-unquote preview block of Juice TV programs intermittently on Monday through Fridays during the late afternoon overnight hours. Films produced by or for TBN have included the Revolutionary and Revolutionary 2 based on the life of Jesus, The Emissary, a film on the life of the Apostle Paul, The Omega Code and its sequel, Megiddo, The Omega. The Omega Code 2, Cartman, The Champion, Time Changer, and Six, The Mark Unleashed, starring Stephen Ball and David A.R. White. Some of these films were produced by Gener- Generation, with the A-X-I-O-N, X being capital and the number eight being the title, Entertainment, TBN's Hollywood, California-based Christian Motion Picture Studio, which was co-founded by Matt and Laurie Crouch. Um... TBN also broadcasts films from other production companies on its main network and some of its sister networks in particular, Juice, J-U-C-E, TV, and Smile of a Child TV in the U.S. One notable film was Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, which had its television premiere on TBN on April 17, 2011. TBN presented the film with much of the graphic violence included due to its depiction of the events leading to and including the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as illustrated biblical teachings as a result. TBN assigned a TV MAV rating for the film, a rarity for many Christian networks. Um, I remember that film. People crying. Some had to leave the theater, especially elderly women, in particular, like grandma, people's grandmas had to leave the theater. And, um... What I really got out of the movie was Jesus was an abuse victim, a trauma survivor, and a victimization endurer. And that film made me understand that Jesus is a lot like me more than I thought he ever was. Because when I saw the, the Passion of Christ, I felt so understood, so affirmed, so confirmed, like, okay, I'm, I'm not praising and worshiping Jesus for nothing. That's how I felt when I first saw the film when it first premiered. I was like, yes, I'm not alone. I'm not lonely. I'm actually worshiping someone that knows what it's like to be me. That's how I felt. And um, 
I'm still educating myself on Christian businesses, how network these networks work. I've always been curious. So I'm educating myself, educating you. So we're being educated together. Um, so that's just more of the stuff that they do. When I say stuff respectfully, that's more of their operations, their activities. Um, it's amazing how Christian empires are central to the networks. So that's what they are. They're family dynasties. Whoever dies, whoever's the next of kin, that's who owns everything. And you can still co-found stuff, so that's how they get several streams of what they call Christian income. Then it says, on December 15, 2009, the Trinity Broadcast Network became the first Christian television network to broadcast completely in high definition. However, until 2018, only the national cable satellite feed was transmitted in HD. TVN's own operated broadcast stations were not equipped to allow HD broadcast due partly to the bandwidth limitations caused by its mandatory carriage of five sub-channels over a single broadcast signal and the lack of a modern multiplexer at the transmitter level, disallowing TPN's master control from sending the main feed in high definition or widescreen standard definition. This is in comparison to Eon Media Networks, which carries five to six multiplex services on most of its stations, including its flagship network, Eon Television, which is transmitted in high definition. The primary TPN network feed is transmitted in standard definition by its own operator stations and affiliates. This widescreen programming on TPN's broadcast services were offered over the air in a letterbox for the three-picture format, though they are offered in their native formats on pay television and IPTV services, including TPN's mobile and digital media player apps, the latter requiring email authentication and opt-in to the network's mailing list as of June 2018. I used to be on the network's mailing list uh, uh, about four, three years ago. Um, I discontinued it because I no longer felt a part of the Christian world. Um, I'll explain after I finish reading this. At some point in 2018, some TV and over there stations upgraded their primary feed and second subchannel to 720 PhD, where available slash are technically possible. Um, Okay, I'll get started. So, um, when I think about that kind of world, um, I always felt I was made to not feel fully Christian in that world because I didn't interpret the Bible like everybody else did. I didn't think of preaching, teaching, speaking, and healing for Christ like everybody else did. Um... I was always free-spirited with the Bible, free-thinking with the Bible, free-living with the Bible, free-loving with the Bible, because I was free-thinking with Jesus, free-living with Jesus, free-loving with Jesus, and free-spirited with Jesus. Um, So I saw the Bible much different than everybody else, even when I did call myself a Christian, being in church every Sunday. I just could never, for the life of me, be... um, like everybody else in terms of being traditional I tr- in a lot of ways I tried to be traditional not phobic but I was like well 
let me just... I can interpret the Bible the way they prefer, you know, the way Jesus preferred. That's what I found at the time. I was like, well, but I don't have to be hateful or phobic about it. But I stopped trying very quickly. I said, you know what? I'll never try this again in terms of, hmm, if I could just get myself to stand more in church or I could get myself to just, you know, dance in church. But I couldn't really do it because... And that spiritual claustrophobia and internal suffocation was real for me as a misfortune within that world. That's why I could never be Pentecostal, stereotypically behaving like everybody else was. I just couldn't do it. I can't. Because the way they interpret the Bible, it leaves people like me out exclusivity there's no inclusivity the way they go about jesus it says smile of a child foundation the smile of a child foundation is is a compassion focused ministry found five by team and co-founder jan crouch initially as a vehicle to reach the children of haiti providing food medical care toys and disaster relief to people in need crouch has over 20 years of personal involvement with the island country having established a children's hospital and orphanage in a school in Haiti. TBN spent millions of dollars in other funding on these humanitarian projects. Following the January 2010 Haiti earthquake, TBN made immediate contributions of $100,000 through Lake Charles, Louisiana-based Friendship, Friendships, S-H-I-P-S, which speeds emergency relief aid and medical expertise all over the world in its fleet of dedicated cargo-slash-ministry ships. Friendships have been partnering with TBN and Smile since 1992. Paul Crouch personally donated a Bell 206 Jet Ranger helicopter to the humanitarian organization. In May 2009, the United Nations officially recommended the Smile of a Child Foundation receive special consultative status with the Economic and Social Council for the Dem- Democracy Coalition Project. I think that's pretty awesome. I think TPN has done a lot of beautiful things. I'm very happy that they have. So, Jesus' compassion, Jesus' empathy, Jesus' neighborliness. Jesus' friendliness, Jesus' altruism, um, Jesus' agape love. Those are excellent examples of them doing those things. So I'm just telling the full truth of how this world works and doesn't work. It says Trinity Music City is an entertainment complex in Henderson, Tennessee, near Nashville, operated by TBN and serving as students for TBN's Nashville area station. WPGD-TV, formerly known as Twitty City, the former estate of country music legend Conway Twitty. The complex includes the 2,000-seat Trinity Music City Church Auditorium, which is used for TBN-produced concerts, drama, seminars, and special events. A 50-seat virtual reality theater showcases for original productions from TBN Films. I got to give TBN some credit. They know how to save money and buy up property. Wow. Because a lot of people in the Christian world don't understand that those things need to be done in order for Jesus to have outreach. They don't understand that in business, you have to save money to buy up other people's properties and to eventually buy your own properties. Oh, but that abandoned building is mine. That abandoned lot is mine. But if you're Christian, you say, no, that abandoned lot is Jesus's. That abandoned building is Jesus's. So 
I ain't going fully knock TBN. They do they do have some business savvy that I gotta give them credit for because a lot of people in business, a lot of people in the church world don't understand. That's exactly how you make chains. That's how you get like restaurant chains. That's how you get um, chapters and chains of your business in around the world. You gotta buy a property, make it yours. And you gotta buy other people's property. Oh, you bankrupt? You're mine. Oh, you're about to be bankrupt, but I'm gonna save you and still make you mine? Yes, here we go. At least TV understands. I give them credit. Then it says Trinity Christian City International. Trinity Christian City International was a complex in Costa Mesa, California, which serves at which served as a headquarters for TBN as well as a tourist attraction. On March 3rd, 2017, it was announced by the Christian Media Network that Trinity Christian City International had been sold to Greenlaw Partners because TBN now finds its campus obsolete. A sales price was not disclosed. Um, on April 2017, it was revealed that the sales price was $18.25 million. Wow. It makes me think that even in the church world, there's not a lot of focus on remodeling and revitalizing um, business attractors. Like if you keep your area well up to date consistently when you need to, you, you have renovations consistently, that's how you can still make money because it's like, oh, your business looks like you constantly take care of it. I want to spend money on you, with you, and make money with you. So even in the church world, they have to consider that more in the secular world, them too. It says, Holy Land Experience. In June 2007, TBN purchased the Bible theme adventure park, Holy Land Experience, in Orlando, Florida, for $37 million. And I used to see them promote Holy Land Experience on their channel all the time. I remember that. That was one of the big things that the TBN viewers really like from what I remember. They constantly talked about it a lot. Sometimes on the... Sometimes when Matt and, and Lori Crouch would talk, I remember them bringing that up sometimes with their guests. And it's a, it's a major draw that I can tell you. Um, it says, Trinity Broadcasting Network's Theology. It says Trinity Broadcasting Network had previously come under heavy criticism for its promotion of the prosperity gospel, teaching viewers that they would receive reward if they donate or give offerings. In 2004 interview with the Los Angeles Times, Paul Crouch Jr., Paul Crouch's son and his namesake, expressed his disappointment that the prosperity gospel is a lightning rod for the body of Christ. It's not what drives TBN. Under leadership of Matt Crouch, Paul Crouch's other son. TBN no longer adheres to our practices that theology and programming changes such as removing Kenneth Copeland reflect that shift. It makes me think if nobody ever criticizes, nobody ever criticized them, would there be a strong likelihood that Kenneth Copeland would still be on the network? Like, was that a gospel decision, a business decision, or both? Makes me ask Christ-like questions to them. Hmm. Then it says, TBN has always broadcast programming featuring 
Protestant pastors who are not into the prosperity gospel, such as the late Charles Stanley, Jack Graham, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham, Michael Yusuf, David Jeremiah, Robert Jeffries. Uh, you know, I've always been skeptical of Franklin Graham and um, Robert Jeffries because of their ungodly association with Donald Trump. Trumpism is not better than the prosperity gospel. That I can tell you. Senator Chuck Grassley, chairman of the United States Senate Committee on Finance, has conducted investigations to whether Joyce Meyer and Benny Hinn misunderstood their finances. These were found to have committed wrongdoing, which is excellent because they're keeping their Christian reputations intact. Because how you handle money as a Christian... It makes people feel certain ways about Jesus. That's something people got to think about more. Um, I've mentioned the positives. Now we're about to get into the stinky mess, so to speak. Um, wealth and transparency. Um, yes, we have to get into this. After I read this all to you, I'll close out the episode. I'll do another one tomorrow. And I mean that because it's really long. TBN is a 501c3 nonprofit company. Full disclosure, TBN's financial statements have been evaluated by Charity Navigator, the largest evaluator of charities and nonprofit companies in the U.S. TBN has received a 3 out of 4 star rating for four consecutive years. 2009 earned a rating of 2 out of 4 stars due to a 2% increase in administrative costs in 2009. Um, the report also built that for the fiscal year ending December 2009, TBN President, the late Paul Crouch Sr., earned $419,500. Co-Vice President Jan Crouch earned $361,000. Wait a minute. Why did he earn more than his wife? I want, if I'm married and I'm a Christian and I'm a television network, I don't, I know she's number two, but we're going to earn the same amount. <laughs> We not. I'm not trying to have financial arguments at home now. And co-vice president Paul Crouch Jr. earned two hundred fourteen thousand one hundred thirty-seven dollars. So his son made less than his parents. Whew. And that's a sensitive subject. We talking about the Christian community here. Whew. TBN is currently under donor advisory status. With Charity Navigator. Oh, man. If I'm a business, I want four out of four all the time in terms of stars. And any status I get, I want to make sure I'm rock solid. Whew. It's getting touchy. It's about to get touchier. Another charity watchdog group, Ministry Watch, gave TBN an F in 2011 for its failure to provide financial statements, lack of timeliness in responding to correspondence, and its lack of clarity in the broad information. As a result, TBN was placed on the group's alert list annually since 2009. That is so embarrassing. I want an A-plus every time. I would ask that group, show me how to get A-pluses from y'all, because I don't want Jesus...
So I would have really had a difficult time with being given an F and I'm a Christian network. Mm-mm. As long as the demands make sense and God is not violated, I would have done that. If I was a Christian network uh, chief of operations and president. And it says, TBN's annual financial information is monitored by the Chronicle Philanthropy, where it is ranked 243 out of the top 400 nonprofit corporations in the United States. Okay, if I'm a Christian entity, I'm going to be much higher than that. I'm going to make myself part of the top 10, definitely the top 5. TBN is not a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. That is divinely problematic in the sight of Christ. Woo! Then it says, in 2011, Paul Crouch Jr. resigned from his position as co-vice president of TBN. On November 10th of that year, Crouch Jr. joined the, ner- the Word Network as its director of project development. See, family turmoil. Christian family turmoil. Let that sink in. In February 2012, Brittany Coper, TBN's former director of finance and the daughter of Paul Crouch Jr., more Christian family turmoil, filed a lawsuit against her former attorneys, Davert and Lowe. The three counts of the complaint were for breach of fiduciary duties, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and professional negligence. In this lawsuit, Coper alleged that TBN unlawfully distributed over $50 million to the ministry's directors. Coper filed the suit following the termination of her employment with TBN. Daver and Lowe, who also represented TBN, denied her claims. Coper's suit against Daver and Lowe is pending. No official judicial ru- ruling has been made in this matter. In the May 2012 interview with the New York Times, Coper claimed, My job as finance director was to find ways to label extravagant personal spending as ministry expenses. Coper alleged that the network had herself and chauffeurs and sound engineers ordained as ministers in order to avoid paying Social Security taxes on their salaries. See... This this attitude reminds me of what's happening in church. So, this is an NIV. This is me paraphrasing one of the NIV commentaries I'm reading right now. So, those church people clinging to this life are those seeking to escape physical persecution. Those church people who live for themselves display these common attitudes. Number one, materialism. I want it and work hard to get it. All that I see is real, unseen things, familiar ideas and dreams. Two, individualism. I work hard for me and you work hard for you. I may make it, you may not. That's your problem, not mine. Three, skepticism. Anything I'm not convinced about can't be important. Everything important to know, I can figure out. Those church people have these attitudes may protect themselves, but they will lose the spiritual dimension to their lives. They should be keeping their commitment to Christ at full strength, and you'll be ready when then they'll be ready when he returns. What I'm why I paraphrase it like that? Because it, in church there's the dog eat dog world culture. There's the me myself and I culture. There's the every person out every person for themselves culture. There's the, you get your blessing, I get mine. There's the, you get your blessing, I get your blessing too. 
Uh, I'm going to get my blessing and I'm going to take your blessing. And you have the survival of the fittest. You have the... Um, I got mine. You got to get your own. And you have the wild, wild wilderness jungle ways of thinking and living. And you got to do stuff all on your own. You got to get material stuff and spiritual blessings all on your own. And a lot of people in church do that. They will not give you the, they will not share their resources with you. They will not make their business know you so they won't have to share the resources with you. They may have material things and spiritual blessings you need, but they won't give them to you because that means that they're afraid that if I share, sharing is losing to them. And, and sharing, the, and they don't think of sharing as winning. That's how awful they are as human beings. And then when I think about um, what's happening in church, um, they have king, they have American values or kingdom values. They choose greediness and stinginess over sacrifice and surrender. Um, so in church, there is false security. They have insecure attachments of this world and they have earthly values. That's what they worship as their idol worship idolatry of choice. They look to institutional programs for evidence of the progress of God's kingdom, even though as believers they're not supposed to do that. Um, let me keep going. Lawsuits. In September 2004, the Los Angeles Times reported that Paul Crouch had paid former TV employee Enoch Lonnie Ford a $425,000 formal settlement to end a wrongful termination lawsuit in 1998. Ford alleged that he and Crouch had a homosexual tryst during his employment with the ministry. Teabean officials acknowledged the settlement but contested Ford's credibility, noting that he had previously been convicted for child molestation and drug abuse. In 1996, Ford was fired by Teabean after he was arrested for drug-related offenses and returned to prison for a year. Ford allegedly threatened to sue Teabean for wrongful termination and sexual harassment after the network refused to hire him following his release, resulting in his claims against Crouch. TBN officials stated that the settlement was made in order to avoid a lengthy and expensive lawsuit. My thing is, y'all make hundreds of millions of dollars, even millions of dollars every year. Billions of people watch y'all and support y'all. So if you really are innocent in the name of Christ then you should have easily won the trial you should have easily won the lawsuit I don't get it if God is on your side there's no such thing as I'm worried about finances besides y'all have wealth that you maintain every year there's no such thing as I'm worried about money when According to biblical theology, God lets you make millions, hundreds of millions 
every year. It's It makes sense to worry about money if you are low income and poor. But when you make 1% type money, worrying about money is an insult to those who are poor and low income. Okay, then it says, in late 2003, Ford attempted to extort Crouch, threatening to release an autobiographical manuscript of their alleged affair of TBN did not purchase the document for $10 million. In October 2004, Judge Robert J. O'Neill awarded Crouch $136,000 in legal fees to be paid by Ford for his violation of the terms of the settlement agreement, specifically the prohibition of discussing the details of the settlement. On March 15, 2005, Ford appeared on the PAX-TV reality series Lie Detector to be given a polygraph test. The results of the test were never broadcast or made public. In June 2012, the Orange County Register reported that Kara Crouch, a granddaughter of Paul and Jan Crouch, alleged in a lawsuit that she had been raped by a TBN employee when she was 13 years old. Kara claimed to have been sexually abused while staying at an Atlanta hotel during TBN's Spring Praise-a-thon 2006. She also claimed that Jan Crouch and TBN attorney John Casoria blamed her for the incident yet agreed not to turn the fired employee into into authorities if he did not file for unemployment, workers' comp, or EEOC benefits. TBN attorney Colby May vehemently denied Kara's claims. In 2017, a year after Jan Crouch's death, a jury awarded Kara $2 million in damages for mental suffering, but found that Jan had not been acting as a Trinity clergy member and therefore wasn't legally required to report the assault. Woo! And like I said, even in Christian families, there is still Infighting duress, distress, scandals, psychological manipulation, emotional manipulation of each other. And even in Christian families, they contend with rape culture. Um, Monetary squabbles, big egos, secrecy. And the perfect Christian family image, which is a lie. But the the 
the fact that you would think with all those millions, hundreds of millions that they make every year, that they would use some of it to um, psychologically rehabilitate themselves. You would think that they would use mental health services at their disposal so they can be um, healthy, sound-minded Christians. But you can have all that wealth and still be monstrosities towards one another. Because in the Christian world, they're quick to sue each other, even though as believers, they're supposed to try to work it out. But in certain instances, I noticed that they're quick to sue. Um, I'm not talking. Well, abuse is different. You have to be quick to sue when you're abused. But in general, in that world, they always threaten to sue people. When it comes to each and every kind of conflict, a lot of them do that. Mm. It gets worse, y'all. And I'm actually ending with this. It says, Preemption of programs through the criticism of other religions. Bible prophecy scholar Hal Lindsey's program, Intentional Intelligence Briefing, which occasionally aired commentary segments criticizing Muslims and Islam aired on TBN from 1994 to 2005. In December 2005, TBN preempted the program for the entire month. Lindsay accused the network of censorship, saying some of the network apparently feel that my message is too pro-Israel, too anti-Muslim. Paul Crouch issued a press release stating that the show was only preempted for Christian programming, but eventually meant that TBN management was concerned that Lindsay placed Arabs in a negative light. Lindsay resigned from TBN on January 1st, 2006, effectively canceling international intelligence briefing. However, one year later, Crouch and Lindsay reconciled in a new program, The Hall Lindsay Report, premiered on the network. In June 2011, TBN refused to rebroadcast an episode of Jack Van Imp's weekly program, Jack Van Imp Presents, in which the evangelists criticized pastors Rick Warren and Robert Schuller for participating in interfaith conferences alongside Muslim leaders. Both Warren and Schuller denied the accusations. Paul Crouch defended TBN's decision, stating that it was against network policy for personalities to attack each other on air. Schuller had a regular show on TBN. As a result, Jack Van Imp Ministries announced that it would no longer air Van Imp's program on TBN. We about to wrap up, y'all. Travel the Road in Afghanistan. TBN producing airs the Christian reality show Travel the Road, which features missionaries Tim Scott and Will Decker in remote often worn tour locations. In December 2008, the program attracted criticism from the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, MRFF, a watch group, a dog group that looked for that looks for religious discrimination in the United States military, which claimed that Scott and Decker were embedded with U.S. troops stationed in Afghanistan. According to MRFF President Mikey Weinstein, the military exercised a complete prohibition of the proselytizing of any religion, faith, or practice. You see, Scott and Decker wearing American helmets. It is obvious they were completely embedded. When ABC News contacted the U.S. Army in Afghanistan about Scott and Decker's alleged embed, which had taken place four years previously, they said that they no longer had the documentation of the missionaries' status with the troops. 
Scott defended the trip to Afghanistan, telling ABC, it wasn't like we were hiding in the back saying we we're going to preach. The military knew what we were doing. We told them that we were born again Christians. We're here doing ministry. We shoot for this TV station, wanted to embed and see what it was like. We were interviewing the chaplains and we talked to them. We spoke to services and things like that. So we did our mission. So we did do our mission being over there as far as being able to document what the soldiers go through, what it's like in Afghanistan. So I could say that we were on a secular mission as, as well as far as documenting. I would say we were news reporters as well. We were delivering news of what was actually happening here, but we were also there to document the Christian side. Scott argued that since the pair were acting as Christian journalists, they had the same right to cover the war in Afghanistan as secular networks. Um, That all does make me think that... um, When they talked about these these trips, it makes me think that um, often there's conflicts of interest even in the Christian world because sometimes that's one of the reasons why it could be hard being Christian because you have your faith and then you have the business rules of the world. So a lot of times they feel stuck in doing reporter duties or caring about issues that um, that have politics to them. So it's kind of like, how political can I be or not be? And how much can I abide by the rules of the world and abide by the rules of God? That's a daily tension a lot of Christians feel. And then as for like the on-air policy thing, I've noticed that if you... That's one of the reasons why they don't talk about Trump. Let's say you have Robert Jeffries who... Let's say he felt like talking about how good Trump was. A T.D. Jakes can't say nothing about that. Like he can't go at Robert Jeffries and denounce him in his pulpit because then they would try to reel T.D. Jakes back in line. And that's the truth. They're both Dallas pastors, but that makes me think it's political. Like, if someone says something in favor of the far right or conservative politics and Christianize it, even if you don't add politics to the equation... He still really can't say anything, even though Jesus would have everything to say about that. So the demeaning of inner faith is just wrong because Jesus didn't live his life in a cocoon. He was a flying butterfly, winged. So he was around people that the Jewish religious political groups chastised him for but he was like no I can't just be you know the messiah for one I gotta be the messiah for all and thank you for listening